It's been an explosive week at the RoboDebt Royal Commission. Yesterday, the former um, Human Services Minister, Alan Tudge, told the hearing he was not responsible for the department's failure to ensure the scheme was lawful, instead suggesting it was the job of others. It's unfathomable for a secretary to be implementing a program which he or she would know to be unlawful. It's just, it's unfathomable. It follows earlier testimony from Alan Tudge's former press secretary, Rochelle Miller, who revealed that the personal details of robodebt victims were leaked to journalists to deter them from speaking out. And that involved, you know, placing stories with the, um, you know, the more friendly media, the right-wing media, about how the coalition was actually catching people who were cheating the welfare system. Today, former Liberal Minister Christian Porter will take the witness stand at the Royal Commission in Brisbane. Late last year, the Australian Council of Social Services CEO, Dr Cassandra Goldie, appeared at the Commission. She joins us this morning. She's obviously been watching it closely. Cassandra, welcome. Yes, good morning, Patricia. So Alan Targe was the minister responsible for, as he says it, for the implementation of RoboDebt when questions first came up in the media about its lawfulness and its accuracy. He says he wasn't responsible for its lawfulness, so he, he's, that, was, that was to have been determined by the Cabinet predating him is what he says. Would you expect the minister to take responsibility to ensure the scheme was lawful? Well, Patricia, when we became aware of RoboDebt, which was only when it went live on a grand scale towards the end of 2016, and that was through the media, people directly affected speaking up, you know, the horror of it was starting to be revealed. Um, He was the minister responsible for administering the program. He was in that portfolio. Um, And we certainly moved as quickly as we could urgently to raise our concerns with his office, um, with him directly as minister. And as you know, we wrote several times to him, laying out in full detail the nature and extent of our concerns. And so um, there's no question that this was a serious, urgent crisis that was unfolding in December of 2016 and January of 2017. Um, And the government not only refused to respond to that crisis and to suspend and shut that program down, as we were urging the minister to do, uh, but they pursued it. And the evidence seems to suggest, as we had suspected, that that in part at least was because the culture and the politics of this was a view that somehow it worked for a government to be seen to be getting tough, you know, cracking down on welfare fraud. And, of course, that was absolutely not um, an accurate representation of what this government was doing, which was unleashing, you know, an aggressive abuse of power against people in many cases in very vulnerable circumstances, pursuing debts that in many cases they did not owe. Alan Tudge's former press secretary, Rochelle Miller, this week told the commission that in response to growing criticism, the government adopted a a kind of counter-narrative strategy that included releasing the personal information of robo-debt victims to the media to deter more people from speaking out. Were you aware that this was happening at the time and what are your reflections on that strategy? We were horrified. The first time we saw that the government was putting the personal details of somebody into the media and actively pursuing them in the context of the media, um, for us, that was another turning point 
where it was so clear how damaging that would be, both to the individual. Um, I mean, let's remember the power imbalance here is extraordinary. We've got a you know very powerful people, very powerful government uh, pursuing people on very low incomes who rely on social security to meet your essentials of life, your food, your housing, to just make ends meet. Um, and the very idea that you would pursue an individual in the media context over this was so wrong. Um, and we suspected at the time that this was not only to try and shut that person's voice down, but to intimidate and scare other people from speaking out about it. And and did it work Which as your, a strategy? Did, well, it, did clearly, it intimidate? Quite, oh, no, quest, no question. Um, we directly had people who were far too scared to um, go into the media to explain what was happening to them. And this is in a, you know, a democracy, but this is the nature of it. Um, you are very vulnerable, as you know. The media can really come after you. And if you've got ministers coming after you as well, um, it is a very scary experience. And I just, again, this morning want to thank all the people directly affected who have had the courage to speak up about this and have continued to do so because it is only through their courage that we now have this Royal Commission, which is continuing to lay out in you know, full detail just how um, extraordinarily damaging this was and the um, layers upon layers of failures and neglect um, by a government that was very powerful and had the lives of millions of people in its hands when it comes to our social security system. Today, Christian Porter will also appear before the Royal Commissions. It's a big day. Obviously, he was a Cabinet Minister, so it's a significant moment. He was the Social Services Minister at the time. Do you expect him to bear any responsibility for this? Well, I think the, the Commissioner is quite rightly pursuing the questions of personal responsibility, ministerial responsibility and responsibility of the government as a whole. Certainly, when we were expressing our serious concerns and the level of urgency that we were communicating um, to the government, we went straight to uh, the Minister of Human Services, who at that time was Mr Tudge. Um, as you know, um, the minister refused to do what we were urging him to do, which was to suspend and shut the program down because of all the damage that we can see that was unfolding on, you know, in the end, hundreds of thousands of people. And when we didn't get the commitments from the minister that we wanted and we felt were so urgently needed, we went straight to the prime minister. I mean, this was the level of seriousness for us. Um, we think this was something that the whole of government should have been deeply concerned about, including the Prime Minister. Um, this was a program. Can I say, Patricia, I think what it highlights too for us is how people on low incomes have so often been used for political purposes. I mean, that's what's so troubling for us to see that, again, there was some idea not only that the the whole of Cabinet and the Prime Minister and the, all the ministers involved in this did not take this seriously, um, but instead continued to pursue it. And what seems to be coming out of the Royal Commission is what we suspected is that in part that was because in the politics of it, um, it worked to lay out that the problem for people on income support was welfare fraud, when in fact the department evidence is very clear, as we always say, the level of fraud in this system is extremely low, 0.1%. Overwhelmingly, what people were doing was dealing with debts that they didn't understand, that in many cases they didn't owe, and we had a system that was just pursuing them relentlessly, including through debt collectors. 
Very briefly on this, because uh, we are out of time, but but it's worth just raising that new figures from the Productivity Commission show more people are missing medical appointments because of the costs with the number up. And I thought this was staggering by almost 50% in the last year. Who's that predominantly affecting? Well, this, this data is not surprising to us at all, Patricia. I mean, we have known for far too long that people on low and fixed incomes, including people on income support, have been trading off their health care to try and keep a roof over their head and to feed themselves. And we did this survey just last year with people on JobSeeker and on allowances, and two-thirds of the people surveyed there said that they were trading off not going to the doctor or looking after their medications because they couldn't afford them. Now, in part, this is about an income crisis. As you know, we continue to urge the government to lift the adequacy of income supports. $48 a day is not enough on JobSeeker to cover the essentials, including rent, food and medications. And then we do need to get to the bottom of how to fix the healthcare system to make sure that it is affordable for people, particularly those on low incomes. And we cannot just rely on a market response to meet healthcare needs in this country. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Australian Council of Social Service CEO Dr Cassandra Goldie and the RoboDebt Royal Commission continues today. And and just for those who are really interested, and I I do this during the day, uh, you can stream the Royal Commissions. And so easy to find if you just search the Royal Commission RoboDebt live feed and watch uh, that questioning of Christian Porter today if that's something you have time to do. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app. Hey, podcasters, just wanted to mention, if you're looking for more stories about the law and justice, without a whole lot of legal jargon, check out The Law Report on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.